Hello and welcome to the vlogging pod. Tonight we have, and I'm real excited about this, we have a producer, screenwriter, and actor, Karen Ross. <laughs> now, I know it's Karen, but you prefer K, am I correct? That's right. Yeah, uh, it's just easier. Okay. Let me turn you up just a little bit so I can get you all loud and clear here. There we go. Sure. All right, there. Okay, so let's start right off talking about community manager for Stage 32, because this is where we met. Um, yes, and for those who don't know, um, I've been a part of Stage 32 for a while, but I'll be honest with you, I kind of slipped out of the platform for a while, you know, in and out. And mm -hmm. when I started the whole new form, the way I'm doing things, I thought, you know what? I'm not getting into the niche of Stage 32. So for those who don't know, um, Stage 32 is a U.S.-based US social network and educational site for creative professionals who work in film, television, and theater. This is where I had the privilege to meet Kay. So tell everybody what you do as far as part of Stage 32. Yeah. Uh, well, Stage 32 uh, is a social networking platform just like LinkedIn or Facebook, Instagram. Um, but it's really built um, to get people to connect organically. Um, I think a lot of times when you look at something like Twitter or Facebook, it feels a little more like you're shouting into the void. Um, and the truth is you really have to have meaningful, trustworthy relationships in order to get anything done in the filmmaking industry. Um, and recognizing the need to have better conversations, better relationships, uh, RB Botto, created this site so that we can actually have those conversations and break down the walls that are normally there to meet these people. So um, as community manager, a lot of that, I, I joke that it's like the overpriced Walmart greeter. <laughs> I hear <laughs> because you. When people enter the site, they don't necessarily know, you know, how to navigate it or the intention behind it um, and really how to leverage it for their own purposes. So a lot of it's just kind of, guiding them through the, you know, online networking um, strategies. Uh, sometimes it's also like getting people to talk about certain things, but let's face it, nobody's um, short of any sort of opinions when it comes to posting things online. So <laughs> um, <laughs> True that. <laughs> that is not normally a lot of it, but, um, but I do think some part of it's also kind of elevating the conversation to make sure that, you know, you know at, Filmmaking is a lot of egos, but it's also a lot of, um, you know, heart. And um, you know, it's easy for that heart to get stomped on. And I think remembering that Stage 32 is there for, um, yeah, I hate saying to feel good, but to lift you up, right? And the more you improve, the more others improve. And the more you can help others improve, the more you improve. And if we come to the game with that mentality, um, you know, the, the outlook of being in the entertainment industry is not so bleak. Uh, so that's, I, I hate saying setting the tone, but that's also part of the job as well. Right. Well, I have to be honest with you. I actually think that stage 32 is probably one of the more polite. I haven't had any, um, derogatory, I should I say that way. You know, you can, mm -hmm. on Facebook or Twitter, you, you kind of expect some of that to hit you in the face. But I, I'll be honest, I haven't mm -hmm. really ran into any of that on Stage 32. It's more of a, 
to me, it always felt like a platform where people were trying to help each other through the business if they knew different ways or different methods or somebody was looking for casting. I always felt that it was more open along those lines to help. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some part of that is also acknowledging that we're all here to work, mm-hmm. right? Anybody is entitled to their opinions. And if that's really all you want to do is throw around your opinions, please. That is what Twitter is for. (laughs) Yes. Right. 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 Um, Exactly. It it is. It is the cesspool of I just need to get it out. Cool. That's And and please. Um, But if you're here to work, right, if you're here to work on your craft, if you're here to work on your business, if you're here to work on your relationships, yeah, you're going to find a lot of people check that you know, it, crap. Am I allowed to curse on this? I don't know. <laughs> not, not cursing. You can go, you know, a little bit on the thing, but not the whole curse now. But Fair enough. <laughs> I, I like try it. to I try um, to keep it as clean as possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I need that caveat because if you let those floodgates open, I will curse like a sailor. So thank you. Thank you for giving me a check. Oh, you're welcome. Um, you're welcome. But yeah, I, I think if you're here to work, then you know that there's no place for the extra come here to work. And, right. and because of that, a lot of people on the site tend to be really, yeah, um, engaged and respectful because they want to make it work. So, Speaking yeah. of work, you have a terrific voice. I'm just saying uh, it really is um, phenomenal. I'm really liking how you sound to me. Um, so, so as much. so as we talk about you, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's um, as we talk about um, our intro as far as um, movie producer, screenwriter, and actor, um, you've acted in some pr- productions, um, walked as a mm-hmm. screenwriter. So recently, uh, you are have a producing in a piece called Sanctuary. Am I correct? Yes, ma'am. All right. Tell us about producing this short film. Now, I know it's coming up soon. Yes? Yes, November, mid-November. Mid-November, okay. Uh, so this was a script that was introduced to me by the producer and director, Garrett Adams. And he and I actually met in January 2020. I think you can already see where I'm going with this story. <laughs> um. And it was a conversation that I think a lot of producers are familiar with when talking with young, ambitious filmmakers. Uh, we sat down to coffee for the first time saying, hey, uh, I need a producer. And I stifled a laugh and asked to dig deeper because often when young filmmakers are looking for producers, they're looking for a parental figure that will do the hard work for them so they can just play on set. <laughs> and- <laughs> And, um, and I, you know, I, I, I don't like to think of myself as an on-off switch, right? I, I like to think that I'm going to continue the conversation until such point that there is no further reasoning <laughs> with the person. Um, so I said, well, it sounds to me, based on what you've told me, and, you know, I really enjoyed the script, that you need a couple of things secured and you don't know how to go about it. So here's what I would like to do for you. I will help you secure secure the location because Sanctuary, in essence, is about two childhood friends who uh, got into a bit of mess when they were younger, and that mess really never um, it, it got better as they got older. And uh, and after one particularly fateful day, uh, it becomes deadly, and they go back to their sanctuary. Um, so. Finding that sanctuary, finding this church was 
paramount to a lot of other decisions that had to be made. So I said, in exchange for me helping you find that location, I would like to show you what a creative producer does. Because I think the inexperienced filmmaker goes into it thinking of that parental figure. And the experienced figure understands that a producer is going to be there with that director from beginning to end know the heart as much as it knows, you know, the body parts uh-huh. and will protect that heart until the very end. So <laughs> right after, you know, starting those location scouts and really becoming fast friends with Garrett, um, we had to put things on hold because affording the church on location, possibly building a set, definitely doing stunts um, along with COVID was just near impossible for a short film. And the only way that we could continue forward was, hey, you know, is this a proof of concept? Does it have legs elsewhere? You know, is the money well worth spending? Um, But also, yeah, like, do we brave trying to do it during a a, um, a COVID world? Because, again child actor actors like stunts and driving and and we did actually finally decide on building a set and um and all of those things come with you know time and money so right yeah (laughs) that's where we are right now we are we are tally ho forward now (laughs) (laughs) well that's that could be a positive i mean you don't learn or grow unless you push forward you know, I yeah. mean, there's there's always that possibility of going even more beyond what you planned on it, which I believe you will do. You have such illustrious career from when I was looking at you on your IBMD page. I mean, seriously, I was impressed. So oh, thank you. Well, you're welcome. So Sanctuary releases in November. As far as producing Sanctuary, it's, it's your uh, first as far as... Um, no, that technically is wrong. You did. You have a lot of other producers, Wayne. You had Dream Come True, yes, mm-hmm. from 2011. This was the first one. Um, yeah, Dream Come True was really the big first one. Yeah, in your as far as producing, you've done mm-hmm. you've you've done some screenwriting, you've done some acting, and other various things. Um, so this one was a nerdy interview tries to impress a girl while his friends prepare for the apocalypse. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I would love to get my hands on this because um, that sounds just fun as crap. I'm telling you, and I mean that in a good way. I don't mean it in a negative. I mean, it just like entices me to know him. Um, so tell me about the comedy horror, your first experience as producer. Walk me through that and the journey that that came. Oh, you hit the vein. Uh, so, uh, so Dream Come True was a brainchild of a good friend of mine, uh, Matt Willicks, um, still in Colorado. We met in Colorado Film School. And he always um, wanted to combine his love of campy horror with um, campy rom-coms. So for him, this was Shaun of the Dead meets um, Sixteen Candles. Um Now, you can imagine part of the challenge of this was always how do we, you know, have heavy um, zombie makeup and really intricate weapons in a school. Um, And luckily, if there's any lesson to take from this entire production is like make as many friends as you can because he's such a lovable dude like even if he decides to never make another film again which matt if you listen i'm telling you now don't give up you such a magical vision you have um 
but he had just collected so many people along his uh, his film school journey, uh, including but not limited to uh, Midian Crosby, who is a special effects makeup artist now in Atlanta. And she was kind of uh, in the first few years of her professional career there in Colorado. And, uh, and we were lucky enough to snag her and kind of convince her to come on set with us. And she did like costume uh, aging for the zombies. And she did um, the makeup for the zombies. She got a couple of assistants to come in. Um, he had a friend who created specialty weapons, including what looked like um, like a table saw that had been uh, drilled into the side of a baseball bat. It was incredible. Um, and I don't, of course, I won't remember the time frame. I think it was 2011. Yes, I, can, I do have it as 2011. Yes, <laughs> yes you do know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, because it was before the time of uh, The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. So there were still a lot of these things that, you know, it was in the undercurrent of the geek culture, of the horror culture, but it definitely hadn't risen to popular culture yet. So, um, <laughs> so the reason I really became attached, um, because I was not in class with him, I had no obligation to be attached to this project, was because originally he had done this for a class and the teacher refused to greenlight anything that had zombies in it. Uh. And, um, and I even sat down with him as his producer and like went to bat like <laughs> as if I was his lawyer going, this is, this is worthwhile. This is a great fun script. Why are you denying it just for this one thing? And we couldn't get past the argument. Somehow he just refused it. So <laughs> Matt and I wrote a second script that he would green light so that we could get our equipment and we basically shot a secondary film that never saw the, saw the light of day so that it would satisfy his grade requirements so that we could film this film. Oh, wow. <laughs> that we then took on the film festival circuit to basically say, look, you jerk. Like, <laughs> we actually can make a good film just because you don't think zombie, you know, you think zombies are overdone. But, you know, it's in the heart of this filmmaker. He sees it. We're going to make it happen. Sorry, you're not going to stop us. Right. So, um. Now, let me pause. Just a, let me pause you just a second. Maurice in the room asked if you if Dream Come True is online to watch anywhere. Is it available for people to watch? I believe so. It's been a minute. I, you know what? I will find the link and I will send it to you. Awesome. So you can post it. Awesome. I because I will. I'll put it out and I will put it in the bio of uh, guys. Because after we're done with the live, this will go out on other things, and I will definitely put the link. So go ahead and follow my. Um, vlogging pod and i'll make sure the link is in the bio go ahead i'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> oh not at all i just um i like i hate saying the long story short but really the um the challenge started from conception and we just kind of found ways to meet challenges along the way so the school that we ended up filming at was the alma mater of our dp our director of photography uh justin lang who uh, I believe is still making stuff in Colorado as well. He just came back from Germany. Um, and he, um, he again, the, the usefulness of friends, he had such a great rapport with his old teachers that they allowed him to use the high school for free. Didn't really ask any questions about the stuff we were bringing on set, thank goodness. Um, because again, weapons in a high school. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh. I could see where that would be a difficult situation. 
Uh-huh. And I think the other part of that equation is also making sure that when people give you certain liberties, that you don't take advantage of those liberties. You know, we were very respectful. We cleaned up after ourselves. We made sure that we weren't, you know, damaging anything so that when we left, you know, if you can, leave it better than how you found it. Um, so that those relationships, those good contacts that allowed you to have that playtime in the first place, you know, you can you can salvage those relationships because right. those are gold. Right. So... Um, we have 20 minutes, so I want to make sure I get as much of you as I can in that 20 minutes, because we have five more minutes on the clock, so I want to soak okay. you. Now, if we go over a little bit, it's okay, but I'm trying to, I don't want to feel like I'm rushing you along, but I want to try to get as much <laughs> of you in as I can, because I have a few more questions. Um, so my apologies for maybe pushing you a little bit, but with a net. No, no. With a networking ability of over 3.9K, I mean, come on, that's impressive. Seriously, (laughs) you are in the midst of your realm. What inspired you the most to work in the film industry? Uh, Living with a purpose. Mm. (laughs) That's the easiest answer. Living with Um, a purpose. When I went to college the first time, I was doing it kind of out of obligation and it did not work out. <laughs> so mm. I actually became there. a massage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it didn't work. Uh, that's the easiest way to say it. Um, it, it didn't work out. Uh, and partly because I was working at the same time and, you know, I was an emotional teenager and needed to work out through some things. But, um, but mostly because, I, you know, I had to pay for it. And the moment you have to focus on both your studies and how you pay for your studies, you can get really distracting. Um, so I became a massage therapist, um, because it was easy for me. I just took all of my martial arts knowledge and I piped it into, you know, the same physicality, the physiology that's related to it. And it paid my way through college. Mm -hmm. And as I was trying to figure out what should I major in, what should I do with my life other than this job, it kept coming back to two things, really psychology, because I was really fascinated with not just people, but how they reasoned to get to a particular place. Um, but also films. I was obsessed. And like to the point where I'd face chase, right? Like I was that person who would walk into a video store and go, ooh, I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I see that he's in this random film called Mysterious Skin. Let's see what that's about. Now, like, I, I'm a heterosexual female, but watching a <laughs> narrative about a homosexual male was fascinating Mm. and i would only discover those things because i was so obsessed with the process and the person and what else are they putting their time and energy into um so the film that inspired me really to go to film school was serenity Uh (laughs) geek warning Um, (laughs) i already know what you're talking about hello (laughs) yes yes I'm sorry that it didn't get as many seasons as it should have, but whatever. (laughs) Agreed. Um, And to be fair, I was late to that game. So I did not learn about Firefly, the TV series, until about three weeks before Serenity, the movie, came out. And in that three-week time period, I saw it at least three times through, one of those being with commentary. Yes. Obsessed. (laughs) My husband actually introduced it to me. I had no idea what it was. And then when I did... I'm a big geek. I'm a big space, uh, Star Wars. Well, I'm more Star Trek than Star Wars. My husband's more Star mm-hmm. Wars, but I'll watch both. I really love the sci-fi. I really, really do. <laughs> really. And I'm telling you, it did not get what it should have done. It really should. Mm-hmm. It should have been so much more. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a longer conversation about this because I can tell <laughs> you and I are going to get along great. Uh, I'm really enthused with your voice. I mean, I have <laughs> I have some ideas just on that because uh, some Aww. new ventures that I'm doing. So if you're ever interested in some more work, uh, talk to me. Um, and, uh... At risk of saying something uh, <laughs> cursing, hell yeah. Um, uh, so um, we got like one more minute on the clock, but I do have a, three more questions. So if we go over oh, no. a little bit, um, that's all right. Okay, so, lightning round. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me more about, now I got this on your quote, um, holistic evolution of the work-life balance in film and television. Explain that to us. Mm. <clears throat> that's definitely okay. going to be over a minute. I'm going to stop the timer because it's going to beep. So go ahead. <laughs> and, uh, um, um, there we go. Well, first off, I'm going to just pull straight from, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Liz Gilbert, who did a fantastic TED Talk after the popularity of Eat, Pray, Love. And the entirety of that topic was about how the mentality of artists is often dying for your art. Mm. And we need to start a new and constructive conversation around how to live with your art. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, and it will always that the, the great debate between art and commerce will always come into play so long as you do something artistic and are willing to get paid for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that same realm, if you're willing to do something creative, right, you're willing to take a little part of your heart or your soul and put it out there for other people to enjoy. Um, then you also have to put up certain boundaries and certain, you know, I hate saying protective measures, the same way that others would if it were any other job, right? Mm-hmm. So all too often with the filmmaking industry, there's a sense of it has to get done. And they're absolutely right. There's a deadline for a reason. However, someone else's poor planning does not necessarily constitute an emergency on my part. And if we continue to make that um, stance known, then it forces us to have that conversation of how do we have, um, you know, a life while also providing our art for other people's Mm. enjoyment. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard. I mean, long story short, I think that's why the great resignation happened was because people kept saying, this is an imperative. This is an imperative. You should sacrifice your time, your sleep your love life, your family life for our deadline. And we all kind of collectively went, no, right? no. Um, so I, if that is in fact the shortest way to say all of that, <laughs> um, I think I'm just trying to continue to have constructive conversations around how to build up the language for those boundaries, but also builds up the understanding that it's not on the creative to structure our time so that we get things done right like there's a reason we have managers yeah yeah um anyway so that's that's the very long story short i hope that explained it though no i get that um I'm a writer, so I've written 12 books, so I understand starving for your work. (laughs) But thankfully for myself, I have a husband who has a better income than what I do. (laughs) So I have been lucky on that, but I truly understand um, 
what you're saying as far as like the starving artist kind of morality. Um, it, there's a lot more than people understand. Anything for a craft, there's a passion and a drive to do it. But mm. should you have to, you know what I mean? Like what you were explaining, should you have to give everything up, even in your integrity, to fill the void of what you're, you know, doing at the moment, like you were saying, as far as um, creating and pushing forward for whatever project you're working on. So I fully yeah. understand that. I'm hoping I'm getting that right in my thinking. Um, yeah, I mean, you can take even a seed of that and put it into, you know, classically caretaking jobs, mm -hmm. um, which I'm also particularly fond of defending <laughs> because after 14 years being a massage therapist, I can totally you know, speak up and go, nurses have a raw deal, yes. <laughs> you know, physical therapists have a raw deal, massage therapists have a raw deal, y'all. Um, but I do think that there is this insidious connection between if you care about what you do, then you should also care enough to sacrifice something yes. else in mm -hmm. order to do it. And, and it is a falsehood that we need to continue to bring language to. Oh, yes. Like, we can't just pick it with the giant no more signs. We have to actually give language to it so that we can find better language moving forward. Right. Now, I think uh, I think that has to do more with more knowledge of it. Because people mm -hmm. outside of that business or your business or right or where I'm at, the more people know about what all goes into that, they have more of an understanding. Yeah. From the outside in, you'd be like, well, yeah, you should have that done already. Come on, come on. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're waiting on season two here. Come on, guys. <laughs> so I get it. And as a fan of a lot of work, I'm like, dang it, why isn't season two out yet? I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> yep. I know season three Witcher, I'm still waiting on that. But I understand. Ooh. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... You even, um, for a while, if I'm correct, with TV and film, um, you mm -hmm. did um, teaching for children in, that, in the TV and film production, correct? Yes, although teenagers, I'm not sure I would ever call them children, unless they uh, <laughs> rebel with pitchforks, because they might. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so how was that experience for you? Uh, well, most people might see it as torturous, but I actually saw it as a... Uh, a small dream come true, no nice. pun intended. Um, I had a very uh, unique and empowering teenage experience when I was in theater in high school. Um, and part of it was because my theater director, um, my teacher, by the spring, we were spending fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars on our spring musical. And all of the students created what was on stage. Like we didn't buy costumes, we made costumes. We didn't, you know, buy sets and then paint them. We built all of the sets and then designed them and did all the painting for it and like all the set dressing for it. Like we really took ownership of our part in that department. And knowing that I was capable of those things made me almost immediately <laughs> prepared to do professional theater, which is why like the summer after I graduated, I was doing professional theater straight out of high school. Wow. And I knew that I could offer that same perspective to these kids because I knew how many people looked at them and still treated them like kids instead of like, this is a safe space for you to practice being an adult without having adult consequences. 
Um, so yeah, it was, uh, don't get me wrong, it was challenging, especially since technically my title was Broadcast Journalism Academy Coordinator, and journalism is not actually my background. So <laughs> I had to do a lot of learning. Um, but I also, I was so grateful that I was entrusted to structure their learning because I, you know, again, I've been to film school. Um, I went to Colorado Film School where you're making films in your first semester. Um, and I remember the structure of my uh, co-requisites of film production along with post-production. And knowing how my um, setup for making things was staggered, I was like, I got this. This is going to make total sense. Um, and, uh, and I don't mind being hated. Uh, which is a really great place to be in when you're going to work with teenagers. Put your book up for review and find out how bad you're hated. <laughs> uh, yeah, September was a rough month because that first month, they definitely didn't like me. Uh, but, you know, I, I still stand by it, and I particularly stand by it because by the end of the year, it paid off in dividends. So a lot of the kids were given just handed equipment, and I was like, oh, y'all know. <laughs> because if I'm here to mimic the real world, then part of what I have to show you is that you have to prove that you're trustworthy before people will give you anything. Right. Here, they're giving you things like you have somehow earned it just by signing up, and that's not how the world works. So we're actually going to spend the first week <laughs> learning how to network because you seem to think that the camera is your biggest um, resource, and you're wrong. Your biggest resource are the people in this room. And if you don't know how to talk to them, you don't know how to approach them and make new friends, or at least get a, a sense of how can we work together, um, you are always going to feel like it's just you and the camera. Okay. Um, and then shortly after that, I made them take a safety test, and they really didn't like me for that. Um, <laughs> what? No word bank? No. No, there isn't going to be a word bank on set. You have to know this stuff in your bloodstream, yo. Um, so... <laughs> After they met everybody and like they should know their names, what they prefer to do, like they had to know the networking stuff, they had to know the safety stuff, and then they got what I called like level one certification so that they could go out with a little handy cam. Um, and that one check, uh, let's call it a yeah a checkpoint um, into the realm of learning things. Uh -huh. Again, they hated me for it, but by the end of it, when they had sometimes hours to turn things in and they're like trying to crank out their, their edits, when someone would ask something in that room and I would, I would point around the room, who's got the answer? Who's got the answer? Right? Uh -huh. They knew to direct those questions to other filmmakers in that room. Because as students, they've been taught that the person who has the answer is the teacher. But as filmmakers, they know that they can direct that question at anybody else who's done the work and they can get an answer. And moreover, they started providing answers to each other. Nice. So regardless of whether or not they were in the same team, they were now working as a team because they were now a team as a class. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. It was really satisfying. It's a little heartbreaking because I, the public school system isn't really built to support the wellness of teachers, but um, <laughs> but the kids were great. The kids were great. Right. Well, for my last question, um, mm -hmm. 
So before you leave for tonight, um, I believe there's something special coming up. You have the 30th victory round hosted by you and I'm going to mess up the first name. So I'm just going to say Glover on the end of the last name because I know I'm going to mess up the pronunciation of his is it his Gwan. Yes. Gwan. Is it it's a him, correct? Am I yeah. right? Okay. Correct. I knew I was gonna mess up the pronunciation. I sometimes I have to use Google for that because I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I butcher names. I'm just, just saying that. I'll just put that out there. I butcher names. Um, so I usually yeah. Um, so tell us about the victory round. And this is the thirtieth time that it's been out, yes? Yeah, we just celebrated our 30th episode last Friday. So tomorrow is our 31st episode. And um, wow, what a wild ride. Um, I keep saying long story short, but let's face it, this is still a long story. Um, so I went to a panel through Stage 32 for International Women's Day. Okay. Uh, and, you know, these are high level in the industry women. And at some point, there was a question that went around, and every single person on that panel admitted that they did not feel like um, they were proud of themselves or like they were actually doing well. Like oh. they could see on paper that they were doing things, but they didn't necessarily feel good about it. And I was like, what? What, what just happened? And I relate this to my cousin, who is a very high achieving, you know, not just professionally, but just across the board, high, high achieving, um, sweet sweet person uh and katie she was edging towards the c-level position and she admitted herself that as much as she had been with this company for 10 years she had literally fought to be in meetings that she was being shoved out of um you know for one reason or another because <clears throat> she's a woman um but she had decided to <laughs> she had decided to like bring a folding chair and she would leave that folding chair in her office to remind her that if she is not invited to those meetings, she will still make her way into the meetings because she's not going to be edged out of, you know, things that are important for her to be there for. Right. And even she said, as she was approaching this new position, um, you know, I feel like I'm not worth it. And I was like, oh, Katie. And I realized what the problem was. She was being asked to believe in herself in a way that I could champion, I could see. And I was trying to believe in myself in a way that she could champion me, but I could not see. And I was like, here's, here's how this is going to go, Katie. I'm going to call you every Friday, and you're going to tell me one thing that you feel like you did well. And it doesn't matter if it's professional. I just need you to hear yourself actually actively be proud of yourself. Yeah. Because it's clear that we don't have the language to be proud of ourselves. Right. And that's how it started. <laughs> and that was a year and a half ago. And at the beginning of this year, I was just like, I still feel like I'm hiding. I'm like, it's just me and Katie. And that's great. I think that works for our, our buddy system. Right. Right. But, um, I feel like there are other people out there that are relating to what I'm talking about. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start saying it out loud. I'm gonna put it on Instagram. I'm gonna see how it goes. Right. And Every time I would get out there, somebody else would reach out going, oh, that was so great. Here's what I'm proud of. I struggle too, admitting that I'm, you know, I, that I feel like I've done something well. And um, Kawan was one of my first guests, actually. And he happened to be, he still is, a victory coach. Uh -huh. So he just was able to bring this amazing language to looking back at now, what you've done and, like, claiming, I'm proud of this. Right. Good. 
Now, are these the videos with the black screen in the background? Because I think I have seen these. Yes. So uh -huh. the black screen is actually my vocal booth. I have a little travel ah. studio. God, God, girl, you probably don't even need my recommendation what you should be doing then. <laughs> Anyways. You know, I actually do because I, I've only done a handful of voiceover gigs and part of it's because I'm still nervous about the like the technical stuff of it. Yeah. Um, so so thank you for the very kind words. I I, I, I will take it humbly. <laughs> well, I just started tipping my toes in, but I don't want to take away from you were explaining um, the purpose of the victory round. So go ahead and continue because I got you sidetracked. I'm sorry. Oh, you know, thank you for that because I can't get sidetracked. Um, <laughs> That's all right. I do it myself. <laughs> uh, in the end, the purpose of having a live IG or even live clubhouse is to engage people. Because I think it's one thing to say, be proud of yourself or like give you language, but actually hosting a space where you're inviting people to like, all right, now you got to own up to it. You got to say it out loud. You got to let somebody else hear it and like let them echo it back to you. Mm -hmm. And honestly, at the end of the day, if every person that ever stops in goes, I'm not ready to share in a group. But I have someone that I trust and I'm willing to call them every week and just share with them. That's all I ask for. Like, it would be great if you can join the community. But the, the purpose of the IG Lives is just like this. It's kind of a podcast to kind of delve a little deeper into the language we use and the mindsets we have and, you know, how to, how to just get better. Um, right. But the clubhouse is very specifically so anybody in the audience can come up on stage Tell us what you did. Tell us what you're proud of. Tell us about the battle that you faced in order to get to that victory. Because as Kalan is really great at reminding us, you cannot have a victory without a battle. Um, right. I agree so, with that. Yeah. And you can't, have a, you can't have a battle unless you're willing to put yourself out there to go through it, to, to do the yeah. battle. You know what I'm saying? You can't. The fear sometimes to hold yourself back is, is the biiggest thing. It really is. Yeah. Because, and, and that can even be in a battle in itself, that you have to battle, you have to overcome the fear to get into the real ring. And trust me, you are going to fall so flat on your face so many times, but that's how you, <laughs> that's how you learn. I mean, you have to brush yourself off. You have to brush off the negativity, the, um, let's say criticism, but criticism can always be a good thing. It's going to bite when they first give it to you, be like, what? Yes. <laughs> But that's how you learn and grow. It, it, it really is. There's just no way to do it but to go through that battle. And I fully yeah. understand um, what you were talking about, about um, you and your friend Katie um, in the group. It's and it, This isn't just a woman's thing. It's like men and of all kind as well. We sometimes yeah. get into a process where we do not... Uh, What's the wording I'm looking for here? That we don't see what we can become. Sometimes it takes an outside eye to see like, you know what, girl? You're great. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can do it. You can be yeah. whatever. I mean, just like I first hear you, I'm falling in love with your voice. How's that? <laughs> so you can. And if uh, you guys don't know, um, Stage 32, please uh, look up Kay Ross. Um, she's phenomenal. She has her own IMBD page, 3.9K following. You, my, <laughs> you are on the road of many successes. I can see it right in front of me. 
and thank I hope you, so you and I hope you do too. So thank you so much for being on. I want to thank our guests especially and um, our listeners for coming in tonight. So bye bye for now, everyone. Until next time, have a good evening. Thank you for sticking around. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye for now.